This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast, which is now a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each episode I interview authors about their latest works and others in the book world about their jobs, what those jobs entail, and the books that they love. For more book recommendations, check out my earlier episodes and my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Thanks to Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate Group for sponsoring my podcast. Today, I am chatting with Mark Pearson, CEO and co-founder of Libro FM, the digital audiobook platform for more than 1,500 independent bookstores. Prior to that, he was the publisher at Pear Press. He enjoys running in the rain, playing tennis when the sun makes an appearance, and reading the New York Times on paper. As everyone knows, I'm a huge proponent of independent bookstores and those businesses that support them, such as Libro FM and Bookshop.org. As the pandemic showed us, small businesses are the backbones of our communities, and it is important to support them in any way we can. If you want to learn more about specific independent bookstores and some of the cool and innovative things that they are doing, you can join my Patreon group to hear those bonus episodes. I am always amazed at their creativity. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mark. And if you like audiobooks, I hope you consider joining Libro FM. It is a great place to make a difference. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, Mark. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Cindy. I'm so glad you're here. I have just started listening to audiobooks actually during the pandemic. And I use Libro FM. And so I'm thrilled to pieces to learn more about the ins and outs of Libro and how you got started and what it looks like today. So thank you for joining me. You're welcome. I'm excited to talk about audiobooks and bookstores. Yes, as I am a huge indie bookstore fan, love promoting them in any way I can. So that's one of the reasons that I love Libro FM and Bookshop and some of these neat places that have sprung up to support indie bookstores. Well, why don't we start out with you talking a little bit about where you got the idea for Libro FM and then how you implemented it? Sure. Well, I'm passionate about books and marketing. And so after college, I started my own publishing company called Pear Press. And uh, I saw the growth in the audiobook segment of publishing, which is still the fastest growing category in publishing. And I also saw that my you know, beloved independent bookstores were getting left behind in this audiobook revolution. And they had no way to sell digital audiobooks. And so with a friend of mine who had a PhD in computer science from our same University of Washington, we teamed up to start Libra FM. And we actually had our first meeting about Libra FM at a bookstore, third place books in Seattle. And we gathered there underneath the bookstore at a pub to have some beer and talk about what an audiobook company might look like. And we're now, I'm proud to say, eight years later, 
we make it possible for 1,500 independent bookstores to sell audiobooks. Did you ever dream that it would be where it is now? That's a great question. I mean, you can't predict the future. We are, I mean, thrilled of where we are now, right, to, to create something from scratch. But for us, we are looking at, you know, the long term. How can we build something truly great for bookstores? And while we made a lot of progress and we have a great product, we're not there yet. Uh, and so uh, we haven't had a chance to think about, and, and uh, you know, our, our dreams coming true. We're still in the middle of building it. Well, what did that look like early on? I mean, so you had this idea, but how did you turn it into something? So for the first three to four years, we were pretty much just building the foundation for the company. And it's a couple of things are really important to that. You know, first, we have to have audiobook content. So it was establishing relationships with publishers to get their content on Libre.fm. Of course, building a website and the technical foundation. But then also, we spent years, literally years, talking with booksellers about what they would like in an audiobook platform. So it, it wasn't until about four years after the company started where we sold our first audiobook through a local bookstore. And nothing really has changed since then in terms of we, we always are listening to booksellers. In fact, we have 9,000 booksellers who we communicate with pretty much uh, every day who listen to audiobooks, review them, give us feedback on what's working well, what's not working well. And so that's still um, a core part of what we're all about is listening to booksellers and, and iterating. Well, I have several questions related to the bookseller component of it, but one of the things I really like is when I log in and I'm trying to decide on a book, you have bookseller commentary on a lot of the books. How does that portion of it work? How do you solicit those comments or reviews? Yes, that's a great question. So, you know, there's nothing better than walking into a local bookstore and being able to talk to a bookseller live in person and tell them a book you like and ask them for a recommendation. It's not possible to to absolutely recreate that on the internet. And so the closest we can get for now is a blurb, a review from a bookseller who says, I've read this book. I love it. Here's why. And here's also why the audiobook is great too. And uh, we have a section on our website with those bookseller picks. And you can even filter by genre or length or language, a number of factors to really find that hidden gem. And so that's what's so unique about Libre.fm is we're, we're not just about algorithms. We're relying on real people to make recommendations. There's been so much talk about reviews on Goodreads and some of these other places. And you don't really know whether those people are actual people or somebody that has been paid to put that review there. So I love when I go to Libre.fm that I know it's a bookseller attached to a bookstore that you have solicited those reviews and that those are people that have actually listened to the audiobook. And that's wonderful that you get such great participation. Absolutely. And not only are booksellers reviewing um, individual audiobooks, they're also curating a playlist. And we have hundreds, if not more than a thousand now, playlists that are curated by booksellers based on any number of topic or current event or genre. So it's a great way to browse to discover new books. I loved that. I spent about two hours on your website yesterday after we scheduled this interview. I listen all the time, but so I'd know a little bit more about the company and what was happening. And I stumbled into those playlists 
I think that's such a great idea. Thank you. It's, it is a great way, yeah, to discover new books. And we're always looking for ways to make it interesting for listeners to discover new books. We also, of course, have, you know, audio samples, which is something that is difficult if you're browsing a, a physical bookstore. I mean, you just you're one click away now from listening to a, a sample of the book to see how the narrator sounds. Well, how did you choose the name Libro FM? So yeah, the name is Libro, uh, and it means, of course, book in a number of languages. We chose that for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, it's a short URL, so it's only five letters, Libro.fm. It's easy to remember and to type, but it also, it's global. And well, we are focused right now on the United States and Canada, and we also have customers from around the world. We hope to uh, open our monthly membership up to those outside the U.S. and Canada soon uh, and partner with bookshops around the world. So on the bookshop portion of it, if I'm a bookshop and I'm not affiliated with you yet, what does that look like? Do I just send you a note and say I'd love to participate? Is there some kind of threshold? Do bookstores pay to participate? Like what's that component of it like? Sure. We currently, you know, work with more than 1,500 bookstores, which I believe is probably about 85% of the bookstores uh, in the U.S. and Canada. But we want to work with everybody and uh, anyone can sign up. Just go to our website on the homepage and scroll to the bottom and there's a link to sign up your bookstore. And we set it up where we uh, split the profit with uh, our bookstore partners. And so they get a portion of the membership revenue which a customer can be a member and pay $14.99 a month and get one audiobook every month. It's a credit that can be used to redeem for an audiobook or buy a la carte. And uh, bookstores earn revenue on anything a customer spends. So a question I frequently get when I'm trying to convince people to do Libro FM versus Audible is how much does a bookshop actually get? Now, that may not be something that you disclose, but I do get that question, and I got that question when I was telling people I was going to be speaking to you. So I was curious how that works. Yeah. So the bookshop gets 10% of that monthly membership revenue, which is a, it's a relatively small amount. And then they get 15% of the a la carte purchases. That's how the economics work. And we have to obviously strike a balance where we need to offer a competitive price to the competition out there that is the largest company in the world. At the same time, you know, we don't want to be known as a discounter, right? I mean, you don't shop at your local bookstore because you're trying to find a deal. And so we are trying to build a sustainable company. In fact, we are a, it's called a social purpose corporation, an SPC, uh, which means that we have to focus on the purpose of our business which is to get more people reading books and to build a platform that booksellers love, at the, sometimes at the expense over our own profits. And so we're on the path to become a B corporation. And it basically, at the end of the day, it means we uh, care more about the people and booksellers and our profits. I wasn't really familiar with that term, social purpose corporation. So I was kind of curious about it. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? Sure. So one of the aspects of a social purpose corporation, and it depends on the, the, the state level, the designation. So not all states have social purpose corporations. Uh, we happen to be based in Washington state, although our team uh, is spread out around the United States. In Washington state, that's the highest designation that we can, we can get for this, uh, this type of company. And one of the requirements 
is uh, we have to post an annual report about our purpose uh, on our website every year. And you can go to our website and you'll see our 2020 report and we'll have our next report in January. Um, it's, a, it's an accounting of what we did for the year and how we achieved our purpose. And it's one of my favorite government requirements. I, I, we enjoy doing that, to be held accountable for our actions of a company. And I'm also happy to talk more about the economics. I think it's important to educate book lovers about the business model for independent bookstores and how this all works, right? And so the reality is that, you know, maybe the average bookstore um, will have about a million dollars in revenue every year. And that sounds like a big number. And it is. But when it comes down to the net income, which is what the store is making at the end of the year, it may be only around $10,000. So you essentially have these bookstores that are running are nonprofits. And so every sale matters, right? That's why, you know, when you buy a book at an online giant, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket. It's not even measured. But when you buy a book from a local bookstore, it really matters to their bottom line. And it's also why it's important to pay probably more than you would online for that book. There's a significant cost to running a business in the community, paying your rent, trying to offer booksellers a, a living wage, which is really difficult to do, right? And health insurance and so forth. So there's a lot of costs involved. That's exactly right. And that's one of the things that I really work in all aspects of what I do related to books and explain that to people that, yes, it's easy to go online, click, save 30% or 40% and have it arrive at your door. But that company can afford to lose on the books because they've got all these other things they're selling. But also, you don't have the benefit of a bricks and mortar store and the benefit of somebody that's contributing to the community and providing a place for people to go and has the inherent knowledge of telling you about many of the books in the store versus just an algorithm popping something up. I think it's so incredibly important to shop local and in the book world to really shop in indie bookstores. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we focus on, we call them the three C's. And one is already, we've already talked about, and that's the curation. <laughs> the second is the convenience. And that's the role of Libra FM is to make it convenient to bring more books into your life through your local bookstore. But the third is the community. And that's one of the first words that come to mind when you think of a bookstore is a community. They are the heart and soul. They are the ones that are active in the schools, a place where kids can discover a love of reading and books, right? And imagine what it would be like without that. And so that's why it's, it, it matters where, where we buy our books. And I think that you're exactly right. Sometimes people don't understand that. And so I think the more people speak about it and explain kind of the consequences, the better it goes for the bookstores. And one of the things, I do a Patreon series where I interview booksellers once a month, and they almost all talk about the importance of community and how many people come into the store, sometimes not even to buy a book, but just to have a place to take a break or sit down among the books, talk to people if they're lonely. There's just so many other aspects in addition to the selling of the books that a bookstore provides. Absolutely. Yes. Talking about Libro FM and the important things that they offer, I recently got an Apple Watch and I was all excited to head out and listen to my audiobook on my watch, but there's no app for Libro FM on my watch. Is that coming? At some point, uh, Libro FM will be on the Apple Watch. I don't know when. The reality is 
there's a, it's a lot of work for us to build and maintain our apps on Android and iOS. Uh, we have two dedicated iOS developers and two dedicated Android developers, as well as a full-time mobile designer. So a team of five, and that's their sole aim is to make a first-rate listening experience. And so uh, we've made a lot of progress over the last year and so many features we have, and that is going to be one of them. Um, but all this, uh, it takes some time to build. I know, but I was just so excited because I was like headed out to walk and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. So I still have to bring my phone, but that's okay. I'll be patient and wait. What about Libro.fm having any input on narrators? So are you all to that stage at all? Or are you pretty much just buying and negotiating with publishers at this point? So Libro.fm has now more than 215,000 audiobooks. And so we have the rights to sell those from the publishers. We don't make our own audiobooks. And so we have no say in terms of the narration and casting. There's enough work for us to uh, build the platform to sell the books. But we have partnered with a number of stores to turn author events into audiobooks. And so we have an author event section on our website where you can download author events on our app and listen to some great authors. I saw that and I thought, well, that's really fun. I was just curious with some of the other platforms having originals and things like that, if you ever in the future had any ideas about doing something like that, or if you're going to just stick with kind of where you are right now and continue to expand what you're doing. You know, we might have uh, more custom content in the future, but the big problem for us is that we are opposed to exclusive content. We believe that books are different than movies and TV shows and that they should be available to all. And the problem is there are other giant companies that don't share those values. And in fact, they make them only available for money through their own company, through their own platform. And that means if you're a, a high school student in New York and you need to read a classic audiobook that was assigned to you, you'd have to only go to one company to get it. You can't go to your library or you can't go to a bookstore. And so we are fundamentally opposed to locking content. And so that's actually one reason why we haven't even done our own is we want audiobooks available for everybody. Well, that makes sense. And then I guess there you can just wait on the publisher to do it or have someone else do it and not worry about it being something exclusive to you. You actually have a really interesting section on your website where you talk about that. And you talk about the, your website's description of cage-free audiobooks and the process you just described. And I loved the analogies that you used. I thought it was very helpful. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. And I appreciate having the time to go into some of the more nuanced topics. So there is a, a digital rights management, and that's uh, short is DRM. And because most people, not most people, but some people haven't heard of DRM, we call it audiobooks that are caged. And we think that audiobooks uh, should not be caged. They should all be DRM-free. And so we only sell DRM-free audiobooks. And that means that you have access to download your MP3 file, and you could listen to it on your computer, an iPod. You don't necessarily have to use our app, even though we suggest that you use our app for the best learning experience. And so that means we are cage-free, and we are one of the few companies in the world to offer cage-free audiobooks. 
I thought that was so interesting and it wasn't something I was aware of at all. I mean, I did know there's exclusive content on certain platforms, but I didn't really know the whole cage-free cage process. It was interesting to learn more about it. Well, what does it look like when you're actually acquiring, and I guess you're not really acquiring audiobooks, you're acquiring the license for the audiobook. Is that the correct designation? Yes. So what does that look like for you? Is that a monthly process, a quarterly process? How do you decide what you're going to acquire the license for, what you're not going to, what happens when you miss a big one and try to go back and pick it up? Yeah, so we have arrangements with publishers for all their content. So we don't do it on an individual book basis. We get the entire catalog that comes to LibreFM. You know, I think the challenge for us is that there are just so many books out there. And that's where the curation comes in, right? It's not just the quantity of books. It's the how do you help people find that gem? And that's the same. If you're walking into a bookstore and there's so many books, you have to have that curation. So if you are dealing with Random House, you just acquire everything that Random House has for that season. That's right. And does it stay on your platform permanently or do things roll on and off? There's always changes, but the majority of books uh, are going to be on LibreFM for a long time. But there's definitely uh, circumstances where maybe a title has been out for 20 years and it's the, the license with the publisher expired and then they no longer have the rights to sell it. And then so that would then disappear from all audiobook platforms or the rights would revert to the author. Well, what has surprised you the most about running LibroFM? What continues to surprise me is just the overwhelmingly supportive bookselling community. Even, you know, 2020 was a hard year for everybody, right? Whether you're a parent or a small business owner and just about anybody in the world, it's a hard year. Also hard for bookstores, but booksellers are creative and entrepreneurial and found ways to deliver books to customers from, you know, doing personal deliveries in their car, building new systems, using social media to make recommendations in unique ways. It was just a year that showcased how resilient and creative booksellers are. And not only that, they are just so supportive of one another. And other bookstores. One example was, you know, of course, in, in, in June 2020, where the whole the United States was, was on edge with George Floyd murder. And many book lovers supported uh, black owned bookstores. And in fact, we put together a list of black owned bookstores that you could, you could shop through. And there were so many stores that were not, were kind of struggling at the time with their own business. And they said, you know, you should buy from another store right now. You should buy, you know, we encourage you to, to browse a Black-owned bookstore and not buy from us. And that does not happen in any under, in other industry, I tell you, where, you know, you're, you're, you're not even sure if you're going to make it. You had to let people go. And they did. They, I mean, thousands of booksellers uh, were furloughed or lost their jobs immediately after that, you know, the lockdown in March of 2020. But here they are promoting these other uh, bookstores. And that just says volumes about who independent booksellers are. And I'm happy to say some positive news that it ended up being, a I wouldn't quite say banner year, but uh, I think the stores hung in there and the people responded and they finished the year strong. And uh, 
there's actually a, a quite a number of new bookstores that are now opening um, where maybe people had time to think of what they really value in their life and quit a job and now they're going to open a, a bookstore. So there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the future. I feel like there are a lot of bookstores opening. Every time I open my Shelf Awareness Pro, there's another one opening and it just makes me so happy. Absolutely. And I think it's such a wonderful community. I mean, I agree with you, booksellers, but also authors and bookstagrammers. Everybody is generally such a welcoming and supportive group of people. It's just so nice. I really like being a part of it. We do too. I mean, it's why we're, we've all signed up for this. <laughs> yeah. Is that we, we know we, you know, we're not working alone. We're working side by side. Absolutely. Well, what about the favorite part of your job? Like what is your very favorite thing that you get to do? You know, the, the favorite part is just working with the booksellers. I mean, I can't think of anything I'd rather do or anyone on our team than be able to team up with these, uh, these booksellers who no one's in this for the money, right? I mean, everyone's in it because they love the books. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, your listeners know uh, the value when you walk into a bookstore and you, you talk with a knowledgeable bookseller who gets to know you and can make uh, suggestions. You're delighted to pay more money than you would online. I love visiting different bookstores when I'm traveling because every indie bookstore is different and has its own characteristics and personality. And it's just really fun to see that, I think. Absolutely. In fact, we have a bookstore finder on our website. It's uh, libro.fm slash indies. And it's a map. And you can go and see all of our partner bookstores. And if you're out traveling, you can drop into a bookstore and introduce yourself and always say, you know, the local bookstore where you're from. Absolutely. Well, what about trends in the audiobook industry? Have you seen things shift in the last seven to eight years as you've been working at Libro? Yes. So audiobooks right now are about 7% of the entire publishing pie. And so, but that's a growing 7%. So say 10 years ago, maybe it was about 3%. And so ebooks are still overall a larger mar share of the market. Audiobooks are growing faster than ebook sales. In fact, Prior to the pandemic, ebook sales uh, were declining for a couple of years in a row. And so print is holding steady, but audiobooks are growing. The other thing that uh, has happened is a consolidation in the audiobook business where Libra FM is essentially competing against the largest technology companies in the world that are all publicly traded. And it is Google, Apple, Amazon. And now there's a company called Storytel in Sweden. So, and then there's Libra FM. <laughs> and so we are, you know, one of the few independent companies aligned with bookstores competing against the largest companies in the world. Well, I think you're holding your own quite well. It certainly seems that you are. <laughs> From my perspective, it looks like you are. You would know much better. Thank but you. But I feel like I see Libro a lot of places and I see it on Instagram and obviously I see it in independent bookstores. So maybe it's just where I travel. Well, and to tell you the truth, you know, um, I think many independent bookstores are thriving. Uh, a lot of uh, people predicted the, the end of bookstores in the age of the internet. But I think especially with this pandemic, we all know uh, what's important and where we spend our money matters. And Libra FM and bookstores um, have benefited from that realization uh, with, from book lovers. And so Libra FM is well positioned to grow and to make the audiobook experience even better. Well, I'm glad. 
And the other thing that you all do that I think is really neat is you have an influencer program. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, your ALC program? Absolutely. So from the beginning of of Libra FM, we knew that we can never build this company alone, that we are building a platform and we need others to step up and support bookstores. And so uh, we're fortunate that so many influencers have teamed up with us to uh, listen to audiobooks every month and to promote local bookstores. And so we do have a, a program uh, where we do give them free audiobooks in exchange for promoting bookstores and you, people can apply uh, online for that program. It really is a wonderful program. And how do you decide what books are going to be offered monthly? Oh, now that is one of the favorite parts of some of our team members, their jobs, is they get to choose the books. The publishers nominate titles every month and our team gets to listen to the books and talk about which ones are going to be picked for that month. Well, I have to tell you, that's one of my favorite things about the start of the month is logging in and seeing what the new ALC picks are going to be. Well, my last question when I interview people is asking what they have read lately that they loved. But because we're talking all about audiobooks, I'm going to ask you what you've listened to lately that you loved. Ah, there are so many great audiobooks. Can we have an entire podcast dedicated to just talking (laughs) about audiobooks itself? Um, okay. So I'll just give you one recommendation of of one of the best audiobooks and books is a a gentleman in Moscow, which is the Amor Tolls book. Now that came out several years ago. I mean, many of your listeners have probably already read that book. So my recommendation, if you like that book, and I don't see why anybody would not like that book, you're going to love a book that just came out called the memoirs of Stockholm Swen. And it's by Nathaniel Ian Miller. It's his debut novel, and in fact, it was the number one Indie Next pick, and that means of all the books that recently came out, booksellers picked this as number one, I think it was for the month of November. I think that's right. I was just going to say it's an Indie Next pick. It's an Indie Next, and it's not only an Indie Next pick, it is the number one pick. So I think that is a great audiobook, especially if you like uh, A Gentleman in Moscow, The Memoirs of Stockholm Sven. That looks really good. I have not read nor listened to it yet, but I am a huge fan of A Gentleman in Moscow. I thought you were going to say Amortal's new book, The Lincoln Highway, because of, of mentioning him. But okay, good. Well, that's a good one. How about nonfiction? I listen a lot more to nonfiction audio-wise. Do you ever listen to nonfiction? You know, in fact, I probably listen to too much nonfiction compared to literary fiction. Um, so I do have quite a few recommendations on that. Wow. There's uh, there's so many. I mean, there one of I don't know if we want to just talk recent audiobooks, but one of my favorite all-time books is Shadow Divers. And it's a book that our friends at McLean and Eakin Bookstore in Michigan have a money-back guarantee. It's that good of a book. And it was it's like, I think it's from the early 2000s, but it's called Shadow Divers, The True Adventure of Two Americans Who Risked Everything to Solve One of the Last Mysteries of World War II by Robert Curson. Okay, I love Robert Curson because he wrote Rocket Men, and yes. that is one of my all-time favorite nonfiction books. And I should have gone back and then done Shadow Divers. Okay, good. I'm going to add it to my list and get it from Libro.com. Any others? Now that we're talking, because I mainly listen to nonfiction, I don't do as well listening to fiction because my mind sometimes kind of wanders, but I listen to tons of nonfiction. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, well, what's one of your uh, recent nonfiction that you really loved? And I can give you a recommendation based on that. Okay. I just finished uh, The Feather Thief, which I liked. And then I finished Gabriel Union's Have You Got Anything Stronger? I finished 
Stanley Tucci's Taste, which was so good. Ruth Reichel's Save Me the Plums. Oh, great. Well, on the cooking note, I would recommend Dirt. Dirt is by Bill Buford, and he spent, I think, at least five years uh, learning French cooking in France. And I think it's a fantastic book. And you may have heard of his previous book, which was Heat, where he worked in a New York Italian restaurant. So, And it's also read by the author, Bill Buford. So that would be a recommendation. I love when the authors read it. I think that's so fun. And it really adds, I think, a dimension to the book if it's going to work. You know, I think it's great when the author can do it. It is great. And I, I, I say it's high risk, high reward. Right. <laughs> There's some books that, yeah, are significantly improved with the author narrating it. And there's some that, you know, you wish you didn't have the author narrate. But um, the couple I, I think that are just phenomenal. In fact, we have a playlist of audiobooks read by authors on Libra FM. But a couple I really like that are read by the authors. One is H's for Hawk by Helen McDonald. I could just listen to uh, her voice over and over again. And there's also Lab Girl that's read by the author. So I think those are two that are particularly well done, read by the authors. Okay, good. I'm going to go look at that playlist later. And the one that's up next for me is actually Will by Will Smith. Yes, that's one of our best-selling books right now. I haven't listened to it myself, but it is in my queue. I just bought it the other day. And then people keep recommending Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey to me, which may be more relevant to you soon. Yes, my mom read that book and loved it. Absolutely. That's a, it's, it is also one of our top bestsellers, Greenlights. Good. Well, thank you for all the recommendations. And thank you so much, Mark, for spending the time talking to me and coming on the Thoughts from a Page podcast. I feel like I have learned so much more about Libro and why it's so important to choose you. Yeah. Thanks for spending the time to talk with me today. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please consider becoming a page turner in my Patreon program. Follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. Thanks to Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate Group for sponsoring my podcast, and I hope you'll tune in next time. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.